the earth and all the works committed here will be burned up, and only those that chose to serve God in this life will experience eternal life to come. Are you ready for the judgment of God? Have you made your life right with Him? Hello and welcome to the Netcast Podcast, where you will find Bible studies that follow an in-depth approach to sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. I am your host, Mark Hatfield, and my prayer is that you are encouraged by these lessons from the Word of God. Thank you for listening to today's message. Hello and welcome back to the Netcast Podcast series, Psalms of Life. We are going to be in Psalm 10 today, so if you have your Bible and want to follow along, you'll want to be in Psalm 10. Now, while we look at the beginning of Psalm 10, you're going to notice that there's no author's name assigned to this psalm, nor is there a title as we're used to, or maybe some instructions to a choir director, because this is an anonymous psalm, but it is written in the style of one of David's works, and so we're going to view the psalm as one of his musical charts for the worship of God by his people, Israel. Now, while the time period in which this psalm was written is thousands of years old, After our study, I trust that you will find these words, these feelings, maybe the thoughts and ideas and expressions just as applicable today as they were when they were first written. A timeless hymn that speaks of an unchangeable God is often like that. It can be voiced for any generation and still prove to be true and accurate. On the other side of the lyrics is a lost condition of man. The wicked will seem to be prospering and they're going to be devising their wicked schemes, unbeknownst to them though, God is still reigning, and he rules over the nations, and he will one day be their judge. Now, before we get started with the thoughts that are prepared, let us read Psalm 10 to ready our hearts for the study. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? In pride the wicked hotly pursue the afflicted. Let them be caught in the plots which they have devised. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire, and the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. The wicked and the haughtiness of his countenance does not seek him, and all his thoughts are, there is no God. His ways prosper at all times. Your judgments are on high out of his sight. As for all his adversaries, he snorts at them. He says to himself, I will not be moved. Throughout all generations, I will not be in adversity. His mouth is full of curses and deceit and oppression. Under his tongue is mischief and wickedness. He sits in the lurking places of the villages, and the hiding places he kills the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the unfortunate. He lurks in a hiding place as a lion in his lair. He lurks to catch the afflicted. He catches the afflicted when he draws him into his net. He crouches, he bows down, and the unfortunate fall by his mighty ones. And he says to himself, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. Arise, O Lord, O God, lift up your hand. Do not forget the afflicted. Why has the wicked spurned God? He has said to himself, You will not require it. You have seen it, for you have beheld mischief and vexation to take it into your hand. The unfortunate commits himself to you. You have been a helper of the orphan. Break the arm of the wicked and the evildoer. Seek out his wickedness until you find none. The Lord is king forever and ever. Nations have perished from his land, O Lord. You have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth will no longer cause terror. I would like to begin by looking at verses 1 through 4, 
where he talks about the evils of the wicked. Two questions are posed about God distancing himself in times of despair. So the wicked are hotly pursuing the afflicted, and he wants to know, where are you, God? Why do you stand afar off, O Lord, he says first, and next, why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Now, God might have to turn his face away from wickedness, but he is not aloof to the sinfulness of man and the things that his people have to go through. It might appear that for a moment God has removed himself and he's hiding from the scene of the crimes committed or the evil undertakings of man and the scheming of the wicked, but this is simply not the case at all. While God cannot have fellowship with those that do evil, every work performed on this earth will one day be answered for, and God is fully aware of every misstep that we decide to take on this earth. He is also knowledgeable of all of the unfortunate circumstances that his people have to endure in his service. Make no mistake about it. God is just as near to the afflicted and delivers his godly ones out of trouble, and we need to maintain our trust in him and not lose heart or hope. Secondly, he says the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. We have seen it many times where a judge is asking a criminal if he regrets his decision to commit a murder, and he smugly replies with a smile on his face that he has no remorse and he's glad that he took a life. And when the wicked conjure up evil thoughts and desires in their hearts, and then finds ways to celebrate just how impure those plans are, there is a special place in hell for such people unless they repent and return to the Lord in humility. Boasting and wrongdoing is asking for an eternal death sentence. God will not show mercy to those who show no mercy. And if we are not moved to repentance over our sins, we cannot find forgiveness. Our hearts must desire the purity of God And our only boast after we surrender to the Lord is in the cross of Jesus Christ who died for our sins. Boasting in anything else is complete and utter foolishness. But he continues here, the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. Greed is one of the primary reasons that people cannot serve God. We spoke last time about how we cannot serve God and riches, Matthew 6, 24. And the reason is because we have a divided allegiance between God and and our sinful pursuits, and we become enemies of God. In Ezekiel 22 and verse 12, we read, Among you they have taken bribes to shed blood. You have taken interest. You have injured your neighbors by oppression, and you have forgotten me, declares the Lord God. The reason that the greedy man can never please God is because in his desire for worldly pleasure, he curses God and spurns his admonitions. You will not surrender your life to God if your only aim in life is to find as much wealth and worldly happiness as you can on the earth. If you want to pursue holiness and be obedient to the Lord, only then can you be saved from your sins. In Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 17, the book of God reveals, Because of the wrongful acts of his unjust gain, I was angry and struck him. I hid my face and was angry, and he went on turning away in the way of his heart. Greed is so powerful that it will cause us to turn away from the will of God. And then he says that the wicked in haughtiness does not seek the Lord. So in arrogance, the wicked cannot bring themselves to acknowledge God and accept that they must obey him in order to be saved. On the contrary, the wicked constantly think to themselves that there is no God. Well, in Psalm 14, verse 1, the Bible states, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have committed detestable acts. There is no one who does good. If God doesn't exist in your mind then your selfish pursuit of what this world has to offer is really totally acceptable. 
and there is no consequences for the error of your ways, so you think. Do whatever your heart desires, but if you believe this false teaching, you are deceiving yourself. I'm here to tell you today that God is real, and you will one day give an account to Him in judgment for all of your thoughts and your words and your actions in this life. Mark that down as true, because that day is coming. Now we turn our attention to verses 5 through 11, where the judgment is coming upon the wicked. First, it says the wicked prosper, but will one day suffer total loss and an unforeseen judgment. While going through this life and hoarding riches for themselves, it appears that the way of the sinner must be right because they always appear to be prosperous. For the righteous, this can be very troublesome because we might begin to wonder if we are doing something wrong when we do not have the extensive material wealth that so many of the wicked have obtained on this earth. Yet we are to be contented with our daily bread and know how to live with humble means. We are told that he who dies with the most toys wins, but notice that he still dies. In Psalm 49:11, we are reminded their inner thought is that their houses are forever and their dwelling places to all generations, and they have called their lands after their own names. The problem is that we are completely unaware of all the sinful ways in which they have received this sordid gain. When they die, they take nothing with them to the grave. The scheming of the wicked will one day force them to fall under the wrath of Almighty God, and they will have to answer to Him. But as the psalmist points out, God's judgments are on high, out of the sight of the wicked. And when your eyes only pursue this world and its riches, you fail to see God seated on the throne of His glory with Jesus at His right hand, which is a healthy spiritual reminder that we will give an account of our lives here below. Next, he says, the wicked snort at their adversaries and believe they are somehow invincible. At some point, the unrighteous become so comfortable with their worldly possessions and the false sense of security that they gain from these things that they begin to feel like they are untouchable. Notice in the text where the wicked man says to himself, I will not be moved. Throughout all generations, I will not be in adversity. Have they forgotten that we are all destined to die and after this comes the judgment? Look in the mirror from time to time. You are not getting any younger. You are aging and growing closer to the grave every single day. There are no guarantees. You are not in control of preserving your earthly life. A car accident, health issues, the attack of other wicked people in your life could snuff you out and your existence here would come to an end. And then you would leave all your possessions behind and exit this world as naked as the day you arrived. The fact remains that your soul will spend eternity either in heaven with the Lord or separated from the Lord in a place of unending torment. If you are making a concerted effort to reserve a place in hell, then continue in your wicked ways. But if you lift your eyes to heaven and see that life is more than the abundance of your possessions here, then return to the Lord before it is too late and get ready for the judgment to come. Next, he says, the wicked speaks curses and lies and oppression, and their tongues are full of mischief and evil. Social media seems to be the way of social interactions today. These platforms offer us a place to say what is on our mind and then share it with the world. What a great tool if it's being used to the glory of God. But my point here is that many reveal the pent-up wickedness in their hearts by the posts that they are willing to upload to the internet. Foul language, hate speech, lies, cheating, and so much more floods the world wide web. The Bible warns of people that have a mouth full of cursing and bitterness in Romans three, fourteen. People that we thought were followers of the Lord are found sharing and giving a thumbs up to things that clearly do not honor God. 
People are sharing things on their page from others before reading them to see if they fall in line with the will of God. This is our modern-day application of what we read in the text today. People sit behind their computer screens and become bold and courageous in stating their thoughts and opinions. So many are abusing the platforms instead of using them to bless others and give reverence to God. We need to make sure that we're using our time here to speak wisdom, using our tongues to bless and not curse, to encourage and not discourage, to praise the name of the Lord and not blaspheme His holiness. We need to fill our speech with grace and let it bless the hearers despite the way the world speaks around us. And then David says, the wicked sits and schemes to do evil. The sinner sits in the lurking places of the village. What we can take from this is to be careful where you spend your time. It has been said that just outside the city, robbers would form a camp and they would wait for an unsuspecting soul to pass by to feed their flocks, and then they would swarm them and take all of their belongings. Another tactic is to set up camp and wait until nightfall and then try to break in and steal the possessions of others while they sleep. Be aware of your surroundings and who you are associating with each day. While it is true that we live in this world, we do not live like the world. The first reason that you need to be careful is because you can become prey to those planning to do harm to an innocent passerby. The second reason to be aware of your surroundings is because you can get lured into joining the wicked in their evil plans. Always remember that the judgment of the Lord will come like a thief in the night and will overtake them when they least expect it. We must be ready for that day. Here it says, In the hiding places he kills the innocent. People that are wicked do not come with a label or badge that says, I'm serving Satan. Most of the time, those that do evil are going to appear just like everyone else. You must have your senses trained to decipher good and evil. Those that are unlearned and spiritually weak can easily be captured in the trap of those that want to destroy the righteous. But the eyes of the wicked stealthily watch for the unfortunate. He lurks in hiding places like a lion in his lair, the text says, in order to catch the afflicted. They are just like their father, the devil, who prowls around seeking someone to devour. When you watch the Nature Channel and examine the tactics of lions hunting for food, they do not take off after the first one in the herd. They wait and watch to see if there's going to be any easy target to pick off. Usually near the end of the line, there is a young or injured animal that cannot move as quickly or be as agile as the rest, and the lion will then make an easy prey of the poor creature trailing behind. This is also how the wicked operate. If your mind is not sharp in knowing the will of God and you are not dedicated to doing what the Lord has commanded you to do, you are just like that young or injured target that the wicked world will recognize and take advantage of. Before you know it, you are drawn into their net, and one final detail is that the wicked do not travel alone. They work their evil plans together. It states here that the wicked crouches, bows down, and the unfortunate falls by his mighty ones. They will crush and consume you if you let them have their way and God is our only refuge. Consider David's perspective on the words of the wicked, where the evil man says to himself, God has forgotten, he has hidden his face, he will never see it. Now we learned earlier how the wicked deny God, and then here they try to discourage the righteous by saying that God cannot see the evils that they commit, and that he will not come to the aid of his people. This is error. God is not only aware of their works, but he will judge them for each one at the last great day. Now we turn our attention to verses 12 through 18, where the end of the wicked takes place before God. David asked God to arise and lift his hand to bless his people and in turn punish the wicked. 
David uses two designations for the Lord, first by calling him Lord, Yahweh, and then acknowledging him as God. This is David's way of showing reverence to God and recognizing his power to save the righteous from trouble, but also invokes his righteous indignation in punishing the evildoers. David says, Do not forget the afflicted, and then follows that statement by reminding God of the foolish words of the wicked once again. First, David asks why the wicked spurn God. Then David says that the evil man says to himself, you will not require it. In other words, God is nothing, and we do not have to listen to him, and there will be no consequences for whatever our hearts decide to do on this earth. And they are mocking the righteous judgment of God. This type of thing happens every day, and it is sad to watch just how ignorant and idiotic people can be towards God. David asked God to lift his hand against these sinners and bring his wrath down upon them. David then points out that God has seen their wickedness in order to take matters into his hands. As is customary in David's Psalms, he asks for blessings on the righteous, but pleads for a sudden end to the wicked. David says that God has beheld mischief and vexation. You have the right and the ability to do something, Lord. He points out that the unfortunate soul is committed to God and that the Lord has been the helper of the orphan. But David pleads with God to break the enemy's bones and to continue pursuing them to ruin until there are no more unrighteous to be found. David argues that this is not so that the righteous will get the glory, but rather the Lord God will be honored as king forever and ever. Since God is sovereign over all things, he has every right to take these matters into his hands, blessing the righteous and destroying the evildoer. We saw this earlier in Psalm 3-7, where David asked God to smite his enemies on the cheek and shatter their teeth. And so David concludes by pointing out that God can bring an end to terrorism and the wickedness of man. First, David calls upon God once again and reminds him that nations have been wiped out by the hand of the Lord. In other words, God is powerful enough to perform his mighty work again, and David trusts in God not to allow the wicked to prevail. David then adds that God hears. He has heard the desire of the humble. Last week in our lesson, we talked about how God gives grace to the humble, but brings to humiliation those that exalt themselves. God hears the cry of the righteous. David says that God will strengthen the hearts of the humble and that he will incline or bend his ear to hear their prayers. Finally, David mentions the orphans and the oppressed again, stating that God will vindicate them. Whatever calamity they are under because of the evil efforts of the wicked, while it might be painful now, God will deliver them and the terrorist will meet his end in the judgment of God. In Psalm 510, we saw David express a similar thought when he said, Hold them guilty, O God, by their own devices let them fall. In the multitude of their transgressions thrust them out, for they are rebellious against you. We have heard a lot about terrorism in the last 20 to 30 years, acts of violence that make absolutely no sense being committed against innocent bystanders, sinful behavior being practiced by evil scheming and plotting in order to bring fear and dismay on the earth. David concludes that when people understand the pending judgment of God on these workers of iniquity, and by God hearing and delivering his people, that man who is of the earth will no longer cause terror. Unfortunately, not everyone will acknowledge God as Lord of their life. They will not come in obedience to the gospel and become a follower of Jesus. These people are wicked, and instead of allowing the Holy Spirit to direct their steps, they want to continue to lurk in the darkness and follow the desires of their heart. Because of this, terror on earth will continue. 
The divine reassurance that we have is that one day God will bring a sudden end to those that will not repent of their wicked ways, and we will be caught up in the air to meet the Lord there, and so we will always be with the Lord, finding rest from all of our calamities here below. The earth and all the works committed here will be burned up, and only those that chose to serve God in this life will experience eternal life to come. Are you ready for the judgment of God? Have you made your life right with Him? If you have a spiritual need, please reach out to me via email, and I'll get you in contact with a church in your area if you're not local and I can't help you myself. We'll make sure that you get an opportunity to put Christ on in baptism through obedience to the gospel. We'll hear your confession of faith. You'll turn away from your sins. You'll turn to the Lord, and you will be rejoiced with not only here by those who experience that with you, but all the angels in heaven will rejoice in that decision. If you are a Christian that has allowed the world to get you uh, spiritually down, you've wandered, you've grown weak from the attacks of the enemy, look to your brothers and sisters in Christ for strength and pray to God, asking for forgiveness of the wrongs that need to be made right. I want you to let me know how I can help you. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. As we wrap up the show today, I want to give you a friendly reminder that you can go to bonfire.com and still secure a Netcast coffee mug. The link will be in the show notes. In Season 6, titled Psalms of Life, I have a unique offer that relates to this series in the Book of Psalms. If you partner with Netcast during this season, I want to send you the complete outline for the study, but I will also be including the supplemental PowerPoint slideshow to guide you in your study. If you want to become a partner or donate, you can send PayPal donations using netcasthost at gmail.com or visit patreon.com forward slash netcast to learn more about how you can get on board with this podcast. I have also added this podcast to buymeacoffee.com forward slash netcast host, where you can send a small gift of any amount to help support the show. Thank you in advance. If you are not able to support this ministry effort financially at this time, would you please consider doing one of the following? First, please subscribe and continue to be a dedicated listener. Next, please share Netcast with your friends and family and encourage them to subscribe. Finally, consider leaving a review for the podcast wherever you listen so that your positive feedback can encourage others to listen. Take a few moments after we sign off to visit our website at netcasthost.com. Here you will find transcripts of the podcast on the blog. You can sign up for our free newsletter, become a member, and join Netcast for free, which will give you access to hidden portions of the podcast host site. Don't forget to check out our social media platforms on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to like and follow the podcast there as we use these sites to keep you current on what is happening at Netcast. Every new episode is announced on these media outlets. Until next time, God bless you richly. In Jesus Christ, our Lord.